0: section of good drinks good music and good times this is hops and spirits bar conversations
1: the new episodes we keep rolling on here on the bar conversations and i think we have a fun one and i think we caught her while she's busy because she's uh in a remote location we'll, we'll put it that way uh, <laughs> welcome in country and western singer songwriter herself titled ep was released in early january january annie bosco
0: hey guys how's it going
1: <laughs> so, uh, you're, you're busy is what I'm, I'm gathering with everything, right?
0: Yeah, it's been, uh, since late September, been doing radio tour, promo tour. Um, and the, the year started off with a bang. We did the Rose Parade on January 1st, Jimmy Kimmel January 8th, played the Troubadour on the 10th, and then been playing shows since, and then back out on radio tour and playing uh, you know, tour dates, just random regular shows. And then when I'm home in Nashville, just try to catch up on laundry, but also studio and writing new songs for the record.
1: So never a dull moment, right?
0: No, it's nonstop.
1: (laughs) And and you mentioned that, uh, you you know, you were doing the California thing for a little bit uh, at the start of the year. You're part of the Cowgirls uh, rule float there at the Tournament of Roses parade. How cool was that? Yeah
0: it was so cool I mean that was hands down one of the coolest experiences of my life it's 800,000 people so it felt like every 20 feet you're in front of a new group of people who are just going crazy and I mean we rocked I, I sang my song honky tonk highway on the float and I just went all out it was like we just I rocked so hard I think I sang this song 38 times and by the time we were done it was like four hours I literally just laid down on my bed for like like three hours straight. I feel like I couldn't move because I had a fractured toe and I went oh. so hard. My, my friend who was on the float with me, Teeter, she's Teeter on Yellowstone when we were done. She looked at me and went, that was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> she's like, you go all out each time and I'm like, you have to, you know, go big or go home.
1: One, well, you had that song on uh, the float and you went with a slightly different song when you made your late night TV debut there on Jimmy Kimmel Live. How how was that? Because yeah. I'm, I'm guessing those are two totally different experiences.
0: Completely different. You know, the live TV experience is new for me. So that was really a, a learning curve. I think it's harder. Because I think, like, when I'm in front of a crowd of people, I just do better. I do better when I can see people, see their expressions, move them. And for that, it's like, you know, you have a crowd, but it's, uh, it's not like a full crowd. It's like a TV crowd. And um, you shoot it earlier in the day so you'll do it at like you know 10 a.m or noon but it was it was unbelievable their their production is phenomenal their team is phenomenal it's just it's a great show and it was just i mean total dream come true
1: and like you said you finished that all off that like what week or so 10 days with you know performing at the Travador. how how amazing topping that off icing on the cake was that
0: I incredible. I think the history at the troubadour is so special, like the artists that have played there iconic. Um, and the crowd was, what was cool about it is it's all ages. So people were reaching out to me, Hey, you know, and I, is it all ages? I said, it actually is all ages. So I couldn't believe it. Like the first row of girls in the front were all nine year olds and they were like, ah! I feel like I, I had a Taylor Swift. One. I thought, Oh my God, <laughs> I've never had little girls. I mean, they were going crazy. One drew me like a photo of "Boots um, on" my song, and it was just—it was so sweet. I want to make more music for nine-year-olds. Is what I discovered.
1: Well, that's that's an awesome thing. And uh, you, normally I, I kick this off with uh, this question, but you know, I felt like I had asked those since you're, you're traveling and you're busy. Um, yeah. Since I know you're a California girl at, at heart. Um, I have found in my stash a, a California bourbon, Rod and Hammer's uh, Slow Stills bourbon. Uh Cut go. with the Pacific out there. I love know you're it. not drinking right now because uh, oh. uh, you're, you're traveling and so forth and staying busy. But what's your go-to drink these days?
0: I'm actually a beer and tequila girl. So if I'm Ooh. on the road, like after a show, I just I love having like a Stella. I'm pretty simple, you know, or sometimes a Modelo with lime. I like a beer or I like tequila. Um, I think my, I love, um, there's a brand called Luna Nueva that I love. They're awesome. Love Cotigo. Um, yeah, I think those are the two that I just, I enjoy the most.
1: Now with tequila, are you Blanco, Resposado, Añejo? Where are you going on that train?
0: Love Repo, love Reposado. Um, and yeah, I'd say that like a cold beer or tequila is my go-to.
1: I like it. I like it. Yeah. I I never knew I enjoyed tequila myself until I finally found a reposado and then a and I go, oh, yeah. that doesn't make my face, you know, like scrunch up every time I drink it.
0: Right. <laughs> With some lime, some salt on the rim.
1: Exactly. It's a it's a great combination, and yeah. you know, I I have to ask this too. You know, you talk about you know staying busy. Did you kind of uh, get your first? You play guitar, right? Is that correct? Yes. Is it true you got your first guitar uh, thanks to writing some, some jingles and, and so forth? Is that how you got it?
0: Oh, I love that. It's so funny how... Um, I've only told that story a couple times, but I've actually heard it. I've heard it now. It's like, why, once you say something, it's out in the world, right? <laughs> You're like, ah, yep. it's over. Uh, There was a local composer in the town that I grew up in who did jingles. He was like a you know, jingle composer. Um, so he had hired me to sing jingles once I got a license and I could drive I'd go there record with him and so it he took me to Guitar Center I, I was able to save enough money he I think he had a deal with Guitar Center like an artist discount kind of deal so that's how I bought my first guitar we went to Guitar Center and I got a guitar
1: so and obviously you, you're still playing it to to this day did you play any other instruments growing up or was guitar kind of the first one you got into
0: I'm one of five kids, so we we would have piano lesson intervals. It would be like, each of us would be like, ding, 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 for like 15 minutes. It was like, next kid, next kid. (laughs) So there was an upright, in our interval, piano lessons. And no, I mean, really, there wasn't, I think usually the musician, there's someone musical in the family that's sort of the gateway into the industry, and there really was no one musical in my family.
1: Interesting. And I was going to say, because you, like you said, you were the, what, the middle child of five growing yeah. up in California. So how, how yeah. was was that for, for you?
0: I mean, I loved it because I love my siblings. Like, I would do, I mean, sometimes I, like, miss my childhood and just being a kid and us, like, hanging out and, of course, fighting and giving each other shit. But I love coming from a big family. Like, it was, it's such a special, I, they're my best friends. So, I miss them a lot.
1: Well, and I was gonna say, being one of five, you, you kind of mentioned it though. Were were anyone else in the family uh, musical or or interested in music like you were?
0: Uh, yes. My little brother, super talented. He's an amazing singer, songwriter, producer, and we would grow up singing together. We, we taught each other how to sing harmony, and uh, we would like yodel together as kids. And we'd actually yodel in like three part harmony. So I'd say that he was actually arguably way more talented than I was, like born talent. I think mine's taught. I I kind of worked at it really hard, but naturally he's freakishly talented.
1: And and you tell him that all the time, right, or never?
0: (laughs) No, I do. I give him credit all the time. He's like, whatever. He doesn't believe me. But I'm like, no, I'm serious. You you (laughs) actually arguably have more talent than I do.
1: Well, and it's recorded now, so if... If he doesn't believe you there is record of it
0: yeah exactly <laughs> it's, out, uh, it's, it's out on the interweb
1: exactly exactly if it's yeah. out there it's true right
0: yeah exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and you talked about you know you and your, your little brother being musical did you really start singing at like age five and then even getting into writing your own music as a teenager
0: yeah the first time i ever sang in front of an audience i was five and it was at my great-grandmother's funeral and, um, I sang over the rainbow cause we would watch the wizard of Oz together. And I just remember looking out into the crowd and people were crying and it was the first time I realized like I could sing in front of a group of people. And it was the first time I realized I could, I could move people with my instrument. And, um, yeah, I think I was probably like 13 when I wrote my first song, it was terrible. I could still sing it, but yeah, I did. It goes well, like, so, you'll be there, you will care. When I fall, you'll hear me call because you'll be there. It was called You'll Be There.
1: I I never would have guessed that.
0: Because life was so hard <laughs> for 13-year-old me. I was like, you'll be there.
1: Well, it seems, though, you, you have gained experience and you have worked through some things, you know, and, and the, the writing has yeah. continued to... To, to grow, was there ever a chance though you weren't getting into music after you got kind of bitten by the bug and then started writing and uh, just loving it? I'm guessing
0: I always did like other odd jobs to help you know help me get by while pursuing music, but no, there was never there was never never another career choice, I don't think for me, yeah, this was it.
1: <laughs> well and uh, you kind of got an early start too right i mean what at like 14 right after you wrote that hit you know uh at 13 you, you got this thing on the little mermaid 2 soundtrack
0: <laughs> that hit oh my god it's so funny that hit um yeah that was really a fluke a fluke thing there was i remember Shelley wright really amazing singer she was really in um she had sung the end title theme song for this song and then they wanted a younger voice So I went in and did it and I just, my gosh, it's like every girl's dream, right? To sing on a Disney soundtrack. It just doesn't get bigger than that when you're 13 years old. And for me, it was the moment when I thought, oh, maybe I can actually make this a career, you know, like maybe I can really pursue this as a career. And then they wanted to kind of do like the whole Disney thing with me. And my mom was like, absolutely not. She's going to school. I'm not, you know, quitting. I can't neglect my other kids to go kind of do this with her and pursue that, so ended up doing the regular thing and then pursuing music later.:
1: <laughs> um, Well, I mean, I, I think it's working out pr- pretty well, well for you, and you know, you. Uh, you know, when you, when you look back and even prior to this day, who were some or, or who, what were your biggest influences growing up, whether musically or just in life?
0: So the first singer I ever heard was Patsy Cline. My, uh, my mm-hmm. dad played me her as a kid. He was in farming. He was an agriculture farmer. And um, would we would go... The only time that I got alone with him, because I feel like it was always a lot of distraction with five kids, we'd go right around in his truck in the fields and listen to country music. So the first singer he ever played me was Patsy Cline. And then he loved George Strait, loved kind of the old traditional stuff. And then... Um, He also loved the Beatles. My mom loved the Judds and she loved like Whitney Houston and Celine Dion and the big singers. And then, you know, I'm a nineties baby. So it's like when I heard Shania Twain for the first time, it was like, and then I went to her concert and I was like, like, this is what I need to do. And uh, really that whole movement of music, just the nineties country was so good. So, So many amazing songs.
1: Well, I was gonna say, I feel like you kind of channel that to to a degree with with, with how you write and, and how you do everything. Is that kind of your goal when it comes to crafting songs? Is is putting that like personal touch or, or or the story behind it?
0: Yeah, and I think you know, with this project in particular, was intentional about using those influences, and it was sort of like, okay, how do I get back to that little girl who heard country music for the first time and just. I was so spellbound by it, you know, like I, I drove to Nashville, I drove myself to Nashville 17 years ago to pursue it. And so I think that, um, I didn't want to shy away from making music that didn't feel or sound country, you know? And I know that probably sounds crazy. It's like, well, you're in country, but a lot of country music doesn't really sound or feel country and that's okay. It's great. I think, you know, different strokes for different folks. Like, you got to have a little bit of everything to round something out. And so it's great to have stuff that sounds like this stuff that sounds like this. But for me, I I do consider myself kind of a neo-traditionalist and I really wanted to make a project that sound and felt country that had fiddle that had steel guitar and country messages and to, and to really kind of play on those influences that, that influenced me to sing country in the first place.
1: Well, I, I think you did it. You know, like you said, the, the self-titled EP dropped at the beginning of the year. What was it like sharing those five songs? Because, like I said, you you talked about a couple of them already, being able to perform um, Neon Baby, I believe, on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh yeah. The Honky Tonk Highway at the parade. And then I, my, one of my favorites is, is, is Boots On, just a, cool. a clever way to, to talk uh, about things. Yeah. So what was it like to share those songs out?
0: Oh, my gosh, just total dream come true. I mean, but a lot of work, you know, it's like, I think people would be shocked if they saw my schedule. (laughs) I'm like, if they saw like the last week and granted, I am a little bit of a workaholic, so I'm probably guilty of that, you know, but I mean this past week I was in just to give you an idea, like in five days, I was in Phoenix, Las Vegas, Milwaukee, Chicago, Detroit, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's in five days. Yeah. And then you're doing interviews. And then when I am home, it's like laundry, which is all over the place right now. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm and I'm leaving tomorrow morning. And then, you know, trying to write songs in the studio. Like right now, I just was in the studio writing songs because I'm going to need more songs to complete an album. And so, um, I think, it's the honestly the the payoff is when you get to go sing those songs in front of people. It's all the other stuff around it that you have to do, you know, that gets you to that place where now you're able to go sing it in front of people. But a lot of what we do doesn't really consist of that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Everyone gets to see the fun front side. They forget how much work goes in on the Mm -hmm. backside in the journey up to that as as well. Yeah, And I think I read too, where, um, During the the, the pandemic, kind of the downtime, you kind of found a new sound that was more authentically you. Can you kind of explain what was going on then and how that came to be? And I'm guessing that kind of maybe led to to what you put out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I had uh, there was one year where I had three deals fall through and I felt so heartbroken. As amazing as Nashville is, it can also just beat you to the ground, you know, and it's it's ruthless and it's it's a tough town. And so at this point I've been here, I think almost like 14 or 15 years. And it was just like, ugh, I couldn't get arrested, man. Not to play on the whole Chris Young thing, <laughs> but, but like, I could literally couldn't get arrested. Like nothing was working out. And so I moved home and then the pandemic hit and I said, I'll go back to Nashville when I get a gig. And so at that time I started listening to the music that really inspired me to move to Nashville. It was like, let me go back and listen to the things that I love. Just those that that music that made me love the genre so much that I drove myself there to do it. Listen to those songs, and then um, I got a gig. So I went back to Nashville. I bumped into Vince Gill, and he said, What are you doing? And I said, I'm making an album, which was making in my head, not actually in the <laughs> studio I'm making the album. And he said, Well, I want to sing and play on it, and wrote his name and number down on a piece of paper, which led to us doing a song together and then led to me doing a song with. Raul Mallow from the Mavericks, and then a song with Dwight Yoakam. And these are my heroes, you know, these are the guys that I listened to that made me wanna do country music. So those songs will come out this year. And um, I think it was that time that, yeah, that definitely shaped something a little different in me that was like, okay, you know what? I don't really care if this is cool or if it's in, or even if it's gonna work or it's not gonna work, you know? Like, I just wanna do something I love and I really want to get back to my roots and why I started singing country music in the first place and I think being at home and listening to those songs again uh, was maybe just the reset button that I needed.
1: Well I was gonna say and you touched on this too that sometimes a a little luck goes a long way or a good chance encounter and and, uh, unlike before where you might not have been uh, uh, picked up for for, uh, something that you run into Vince Gill like you said yeah. how impactful was that for you that chance run-in where i think his wife was a big fan of yours or loved your music and and then he yeah. he enjoyed it as well i mean how impactful did that lead to everything
0: i told him i think like a week ago on the phone uh i said you know you don't even know that this happened but i told him the whole story like oh, i'm making an album and i really wasn't yet and um i said you know you'll never know what you really did for me. And he's so humble. He's just like, Oh, well, you know, it's what we do. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's not what all artists do. You know, it's like, I, I think, and man, this should be a motivator for me because if I ever had the opportunity to help someone that I believed in, oh my gosh, without a doubt. And maybe, maybe Vince, Vince knows, you know, cause he sang on so many records. He played on records. He worked so hard becoming you know a superstar and so I think they're both just really humble people and it's those kinds of people that really kind of restore your faith honestly in the music industry and like in music business people because you realize wow you can be the nicest and the most humble and the most generous and the end the best at what you do you know
1: you can't have it all you actually can <laughs>
0: yeah yeah
1: well and like you you told about being able to go back home because it was kind of a reset obviously with the pandemic too but you know you've been at this since you were a teen what's that journey been like that people don't always get to see because like you said it's not an easy industry it is a very difficult people might see someone blow up but they don't see that 10 15 20 years of hard work that goes into it
0: yeah I think that um I should write a song about it. But I think if I like told people like my whole story just to getting to where I am today, I think people like probably be shocked, you know, I do. And I think that the thing that I still even have to work on daily is like, no one can believe in you more than you. It's like, it really comes down to you. And for me, it's just a faith in God and Jesus and my faith of knowing that like, if I pair those two things, then no one's going to do more for me than, than God can, you know. But if I if I have that inner, inner faith and relationship with God, it's like it really kind of starts there, you know, because no one else is going to do it for you. And even when you do have people helping you, like, you got to leave the ship or else no one's going to want to get behind you, you know.
1: Well, and, and and good things have come to, to you recently. You, you put out the EP, yeah. but back in September, you did something pretty cool when you made your Opry debut. How, how amazing yeah. was that?
0: So special, really special. And to get to do it, you know, for the Covenant families was really very touching and very meaningful. And, I mean, that's country history right there, you know. Yeah, it was really unbelievable. And like I said, for the cause that we did it, like that was just so special that we did um, my song, Dandelions. It was for the Covenant School fundraiser. So I thought that like it was special just all around.
1: Well, I was going to say you, you co-wrote that powerful song, Dandelions, in memory of the, the victims. What was it like to write that song, perform that song, and then be able to kind of do what you, you did with it and, and help raise money for them and, and kind of, you know, do so much for the community?
0: I think that it's, it's your calling, you know? And I think that for me, it was like this song really wrote itself and I think it was written by God. And I think even writing it on the day of the shooting, it was the one year anniversary of my cousin's death and she was only 19 years old. I just feel like no one is, you're not supposed to outlive the people that you love, especially parents with kids. And I'd watched my aunt and uncle go through that. And my heart was just broken for those parents. I ended up singing it at their home the night of um holly squirks funeral and it just felt like how could you not you know what i mean this song clearly came from a bigger place it was written for these people and it's really the least that we can do even if you don't raise a lot of money just to let them know we care you know? It was well, important I mean,
1: for me. i was gonna say and it, it's such a good song and the folks haven't they they need to, to give that a listen and and all of your your music, because like I said, I'm I'm a fan. I, I, I enjoyed uh, the new EP. I enjoy one of my favorites yeah. is uh, Dust. Um, oh, so cool! I got I gotta I gotta ask this: What's the the best part about being on stage and performing uh, and being able to share those songs out?
0: I think I I'm a, actually a radio um, director program director radio program director came to one of my most recent shows and he said, you're a spitfire on stage. I said, you know what? Yeah. Like I like to have fun. I like to rock out. And I think for me, it's when I just feel the most free. Um, I think it's when I feel the most confident it's when I feel like I am doing exactly what God made me to do, you know, 1000%.
1: and, And this is one of my favorite questions to ask folks. gotta put you on the spot very difficult
0: yeah whether whether it's
1: your song or just a song in general what's your favorite song to perform these days
0: lately it's honky-tonk highway just because it's so fun i close i close my show with it and then we go straight into led zeppelin rock and roll it just rocks and it's fun and like that never gets old you know especially with the crowd like never gets old
1: and do you ever have songs that you just kind of maybe throw in from other artists from time to time that you just have always loved and just enjoy performing?
0: Yeah. I mean, you, every show is different and I, I, I do try to treat every show different. Like at the Troubadour, Bernie Taupin was there, Elton John's co-writer. So I did your song and that was so touching. Uh, also Phil Everly's widow, Patty Everly was there. So I did, um, when will I be loved is a ballad. He originally wrote the song as a ballad. So I'll treat each show different, you know, like this weekend I'm playing with Jamie Johnson. So I'm probably going to channel more of like my outlaw side. And I kind of like treating each, each show with its different personality because they all are different, you know, and the people that you play for are different. It's a different experience. So I think, um, yeah, it just depends on the show.
1: I like that. I like that. It, you kind of go go with what what makes sense at the time. And, and you touched yeah. on this, too. You kind of have a little bit of different personalities with, that may come out yeah. on, on songs. How fun is it to share those different sides? Because like I said, you have some songs that, that rock real hard, some you know powerful songs like Dandelion. So you kind of run that full spectrum of, of what you can do.
0: Yeah, and I enjoy keeping it that way. It's like, let's keep it fresh, you know. My favorite thing about country music is that it can make you laugh and it can make you cry. I think those are always the songs that I've been the most drawn to. So really, really able to kind of make people tap into all the different emotions. And if I can put on a show that makes people laugh and cry and party and think about life, why not take people on that that ride, you know? I think country music historically has always been so good about that.
1: I was gonna say, but people see themselves in the songs, and, and then they can be more yeah. invested, and it's even better.
0: One hundred percent. Yep, so true.
1: And and then to to wrap this up, what you this is what you can tell me. I don't want you to get in trouble by anyone that you're working for. Okay. What else can folks <laughs> expect from you in twenty twenty four? Obviously, it sounds like you got some more music. The EP came yeah. out at the beginning of the year. So what what else yeah. is coming that you can tell us and not get in trouble?
0: Playing some really exciting festivals. Um, Those have been announced and some more show dates that will be announced and some really exciting collaborations with my musical heroes that will be coming out and more music. And to be honest, I never know because every day I'll be like, oh, cool. That's happening. Awesome. You know, like I like there's random stuff happening every day. (laughs) So hopefully a lot more good stuff.
1: Well, well, fingers crossed. And it sounds like no matter what, you're going to keep staying busy. Hopefully, you yeah. can find some time to to slow down, relax, and maybe get some laundry done.
0: There you go. <laughs> Love it.
1: <laughs> well, well Andy, I this was a lot of fun. Thank you for, you know, taking a little time, parking on the side of the road, chatting with me, and then and, and cheers to a great 2024.
0: Thank you so much. I had every intention of being home, but the, my writing session went late, so here I am. <laughs>
1: well hopefully a couple hits came out of it
0: there you go (laughs) thank you thanks so much jonathan appreciate it find more from hops and spirits at hopspirits.com thanks everybody bye